waiting for Facebook to push this out and I'll start. <clears throat> Morning, Butch. All right, we've got several on here now. Rita, good to see you. Hi, Linda. Linda Ho, got two Lindas on here. Kay, glad you're here, Kay. All right, we'll start. Um, you know, uh, I've already posted what I'm going to be teaching, going to be teaching on today, and uh, I was thinking a lot. You know, Paul talked about when I was a child. I thought as a child, but he talked about when he became a man. He began to think of a man as a man, and a lot of people today, uh, as far as uh, biblical understanding, they still look at the Bible as a child and a child in understanding. They take everything literal. And children believed in a lot of things like uh, fairies and uh, tooth fairies and things like that, that we really played with them and raised with them to believe. But then when they became adults, they don't believe those things anymore. And so it's important for us to become an adult in our maturity level and understand that the Bible, if you just, if you just read it as a surface level and you believe everything in it is literal and is true, then in a sense, you're reading it with a child maturity, a child understanding, and it causes a lot of problems. And uh, I don't, it doesn't matter how many versions you read, if they still say the same thing over and over and over, it's not the real true living word. And uh, the King James Version was translated uh, many years ago from Latin or to Latin and Latin and then to German and then to English and that became the King James Version and most other versions came out of that and so I want to share some things I'm going to talk a little bit about the Christmas story since this is the Christmas season I want to share what I believe uh, I've listened to a lot of preachers in the past and I wasn't sure what they believed. I even listened to my pastor 38 years and he never actually told me what he believed in a lot of things they kind of keep it quiet but if you don't know what a minister believes or a teacher believes, it might not be wise to study from them. So it's important for us to let people know what we believe and what it's based on. And after 35 years of intense study in scripture and writing and writing many books and things, uh, I have come to wake up to some real understanding that it's very difficult for some people. I, I share sometimes with people and my wife tells me they start shaking or whatever stuff, and it's just very hard because literally it shakes their foundation. And something happened to me Saturday morning uh, in early hours, probably around 2.30 a.m. or somewhere around there. But uh, as I begin to wake up at 3.30, I, prior to that, I heard myself teaching people what I believe. There was a big crowd of people there. And I was talking to him and I was going down this long list of what I believe about father, believe about ourselves and believe about the word. And then I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and I just lay there and paid attention for a little while. And I felt like that's what father wanted me to share today. So I'm going to do that. But first of all, we need to understand <clears throat> what the word believe means. Uh, and I looked it up in the Webster dictionary and then the Hebrew and the Greek and the Webster uh, the word believe means to accept or regard something as true. It means to accept the truth of what is said by someone else. And it also means to have a firm or wholehearted religious conviction or a persuasion. And in the Hebrew, the word is aman, and it's pronounced amen. And it means to trust, to support, and to be faithful to. And I've always heard when you say amen to uh, a teacher or whatever, you're pretty much saying, let it be unto me. <clears throat> And then the Greek is P-I-S-T-E-U-O, it's pistuo, and it's to have full faith or entrust oneself to what you believe, and also to be persuaded or to have conviction. And to me, that's what uh, faith means, is to be persuaded or to have conviction about what you have your faith in. So I forgot I need to put this microphone on. I hope you all heard what I said. I'm sure you did, but put this on. So what I'm going to teach here is pretty much what I heard myself saying to people and explaining it just a little bit more. 
I believe that the entire Bible, as Father intended it to be, not the way it was translated, but as the way Father intended it to be, it's a book pointing us to Father as our one and only source. And what we are and who we are, that we are born as sons and fathers of uh, sons and daughters of Father, and in no way could we ever lose that position. I believe the Bible was intended to show that to us. I believe the Bible, uh, there were the teachers and, and what Father, Father was the first teacher. And what Father said to Adon, the first race of man, they should have listened because he taught them who they were. He said, I'm your father, I'm your source. You're my sons, you're my daughter, you're perfect, you're holy, and you have mastership over this earth and go forth and rep reproduce just like you. But knowing what happened, we know that teachers came in, high Cecil, and began to teach the knowledge of good or bad, and the people embraced it. <clears throat> so if anyone has felt they lost their oneness with Father, which the Bible says, I, or Adam says, I'm naked, it's only because you believe the great lie of being able to do something to anger Father, and that's literally impossible. Uh, in their self-awareness, they believe themselves to be an enemy, of father, which is a lie, and that was planted in their awareness by embracing teachings of religiosity, which enforced the belief of good or evil. So you would think, well, I did something bad, or I did something good, or whatever, and so that makes me separate from father, but it does not. And it causes you to live in this state of sin consciousness all your life. And I believe that came from religion. I believe that came from man whose breath is in their nostrils, and their they're getting all the information from the sensory realm. So I believe all the places in the Bible that they use the phrase, the angel of the Lord, <clears throat> they were messengers. And they were messengers who were alive in that day, or still are alive possibly, and who had the ability to slow themselves down to visibility and give a message of protection or direction, and then seem to disappear if you would. There's been hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of people have told stories where they were in a time of need on a road somewhere or a highway or whatever, and all of a sudden they turned around and there appeared a person there to help them. And then when it was over with, they disappeared. <clears throat> so the phrase, angel of the Lord, I found it used 74 times in scripture. The first three words, angel of thee, was translated from the Hebrew from a word that's M-A-L-A-K, and it actually means a dispatch as a deputy, a messenger of father. It says nothing about being a winged angel like we were taught. And of course, Mr. Strong's under the control of the Catholic Church then placed the word angel at the end of that definition, which is not what Moloch means. Then the phrase the Lord, of course, is Jehovah. It means the self-existent, the eternal one. And it's the Jewish national name for father, which they used Jehovah or Jehovah. But an angel, and we, we pointed out many times, an angel actually means messenger. There's really no such word as angel in the Bible. It's always a messenger. I'm a messenger. You're a messenger. We're all messengers of, of, the, of the, uh, the, the living word, if you would. We're messengers of the good news. So in the New Outlook books of the Bible, the first mention of the angel of the Lord is found in Matthew 1.20. And that's where the messenger spoke to Joseph. <clears throat> And he told Joseph not to fear marrying his pregnant espoused wife. Why would he be afraid to marry her? Well, if I knew, if a, a messenger told me that my wife was going to give birth to Jesus and Jesus was going to have a mandate on his life and he was going to set people free with a, with a, a truth of who they are, he was going to rid us of, uh, rid us of all the religious teaching, the Roman you know, uh, the, everything that went on in our lives, I might be kind of afraid that can I really raise that child? And that's how I believe that. I believe that's the only reason he was afraid. And this messenger came and said, don't worry, you know, this child's going to be born and it's going to be protected and so forth. So what is a messenger then? A messenger, again, is not other than a person who is still present in their body and that we may be aware of or may not be, and they've mastered many of them living out of their spirit. They live out of their spirit. They listen to Father. And again, as I said a minute ago, they can slow their bodies down to visibility, and then they can raise their energy back up and step into spirit, which becomes out of our sight. And so I've experienced at least three messengers in my life and probably many more. The Bible says we entertain messengers unaware. 
Sometimes it may just be a preacher that's not famous or a person that you met in a parking lot or at 7-Eleven or wherever. And it could be a messenger there that's helped you, but you're unaware of that. And sometimes you don't pay attention. So they have their awareness raids. They have their senses exercised by hearing the voice of Father speaking to their thoughts. They've tuned into the divine mind and they speak at the voice of Father by the breath of truth coming off of their tongue. If you would, they speak as tongues of fire because the word fire means the living word. And so we need messengers like that in our life. And I believe they're out there. I believe I'm a messenger. I believe Kay's a messenger. I can't tell you that we've mastered completely living out of that. But I can tell you there's a time that I believe that I translated to Africa. And I had a letter sent to me about it. So I don't brag on it. I don't think much about it. But I don't believe that we're hindered by time. And I don't believe that we're hindered by distance. None of us are. So we find in most Bibles the title Archangel then. Archangel was used in two scriptures. It was used in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 and also in Jude 9. The word arc, uh, word arc, A-R-C-H, always means first in rank. So what would make a person first in rank? It would be their awareness, right? It would be the knowledge that they have. It would mean their understanding. If I'm going to a say a, a, a conference where lots of preacher comes, preachers come there and there is a minister there that I know that is very knowledgeable. They listen to the voice of God. They have a clear understanding of the living word. That's the person I want to hear. That's the person that needs to be allowed up there to speak instead of making them wait till the very last time. And I've seen that happen before. I've seen where we have to listen to people that don't seem to know a whole lot or they, they teach things that's been taught for year after year after year that's really not the truth. And the person that can really help them is put aside and sometimes not even allowed to teach. So this reference here, uh, this title in Thessalonians, Thessalonians explains the word very well. And I translated it. It says, First uh, Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the voice of one shall come out of the mouths of many spiritually matured comforter messengers with a clear sounding word that can be heard to the outer court. The outer court are people who, in a sense, are just people who are or, quote, they believe they're just saved they, by saying the sinner's prayer. They believe in offering sacrifices, doing things to please God. And it can even be heard from them. It's, and what I think helps that is because it's a clear-sounding word. It's a simple word, and it's easy to be understood if the person wants to. And these spiritually matured comforter messengers are those who have their awareness raised, their senses exercised by hearing Father's breath, and again, they speak as the voice of Father from within their holy breath. So there are two messengers that most Bible <coughs> students or church members are aware of, and that's Michael and Gabriel. You know, almost anybody can tell you they know about Michael and Gabriel. The messenger Michael is mentioned in the book of Daniel, and the English name Michael is translated from the Hebrew word Makaliah, and it means who is like God. Now, who is like God? Are we not like God? Hosea said we live as the plural of father. So I would tell you this would be a man. He was a man. So whether he showed up out of the invisible or was already there, he was a man and he possessed great understanding. He possessed great knowledge. Scripture says he was strong, meaning that he could, he could withstand, withstand untruths. And so I thought, well, what does that mean? Well, that means any, uh, Jesus said the truth will make you free. And when you look the word truth up, it means the not concealed word. So the concealed word or the mistranslated word or the misexplained word is a untruth. And Michael was so knowledgeable that he could withstand that. And that means we can teach the truth. We can share the truth. And so then we find Gabriel and Daniel 8.16 also. Daniel had a vision and he thought he was asleep. He sought the meaning and there stood a man close by him. And this man called out to Gabriel and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. And when you read it, Daniel said he was asleep, but Gabriel touched him and set him upright and explained the vision. What I believe spiritually this means asleep, he was asleep to wisdom and knowledge. He didn't have a lot of understanding. And Gabriel touched, where did he touch him? He touched him in his cautious awareness, his individual awareness. And he stood upright and he was able to hear the vision. So the name Gabriel comes from the word Gabriel, 
meaning a man of God. You can look it up. It's very easy in the Greek. It means a man of God. It does not mean an angel with wings. And if you want to believe in a messenger with wings, the actual meaning for wings are voices. So we're messengers with a voice. That's why it said the voice or the wings of the cherubim could be heard all the way out into the outer court. In other words, the message that they had. So these next references to Gabriel are found in Luke 1.19 and Luke 1.26. And of course, we know this is the story. Both stories are about Elizabeth giving birth to John the Baptist and then Jesus giving birth to uh, uh, Mary giving birth to Jesus. So in this, messengers appeared to Zacharias to give him the instru his instructions about Elizabeth giving birth uh, to another child with a mandate on his life. Just like Jesus had a mandate on his life and uh, Joseph was worried about raising a child like this, the same thing happened with Zacharias. And so he talked to them about that and he said, this is what he said to him, he said, the, uh, Gabriel said, I am a son of God. That's what he said. He didn't say I'm an angel I'm, or anything else. He said, I am a son of God who stands as the presence of God and am sent to, am, and am sent to speak to you and show you glad tidings. Is that not what a messenger is supposed to be? We're called comforter messengers and we're supposed to bring to you glad tidings and it brings joy to you. It brings comfort to you. So even Jesus told his disciples he was not going to leave them what? Comfortless, right? And of course, everybody believed that that was Holy Spirit as a separate entity and that one day he would send the Holy Spirit to them. And that's not what he said. He said, I'm going to send you many. I'm going to pray the Father and that Father would send many more comforter messengers to teach you and to explain to you uh, uh, what I sought to teach you because they couldn't, they couldn't take what he taught. They were so bankrupt, all they wanted was help all the time. They wanted food. They wanted money, a way of paying their taxes. And he, he could only meet them where they were at. So as I've said many times, the word comforter in this case means teachers, leaders, explainers, and the truthful word and guides of the way, the way to live, the way to live out who they are. So I think that pretty much explains there that there's no such things as angels. And people want to believe in angels. If you, I didn't take time to look at them, but the Catholic Church has hundreds, if not thousands, of different kinds of angels. They have an archangel for every day of the week, you know, and I don't want to take the time to teach those things, but it's just not true. They're messengers. So we can bring comfort to others. We can bring, you know, I, I taught several months ago when I, I, I said I was relieved when I found out a lot of things. So we can relieve people from their their torment and their worry and their fear of father and fear of coming judge to coming judgment someday. So I believe that there are comforter messengers all over the planet. And as I said, I know Kay Fairchild's one. I believe that I am because the living word that we teach brings comfort to the people who are ready to hear from us. I've experienced recently somebody that wasn't ready to hear. And it, when they hear the truth, it doesn't bring a lot of comfort to them because they're still hanging on to the lie. And, uh, what you should be teaching should do should bring comfort and it should bring eternal freedom to all people. So there are also those who have become master comforters like Daniel and Gabriel and many others who have tapped in fully to their divine mind. Just like Jesus. Jesus was a comforter messenger. He never left contact with his divine mind. I believe they're still here. I still there because there is no there. There is no place that we can go to that we're a million light years away. It's just the realm of spirit or the realm of breath. And we're all there already. So all these messengers are still here. And some of them step into the to visibility to give a message to help people, to strengthen people. So what they do is they transcend time, they transcend distance, and even when needed are able to function other than just physical, which we would call supernatural. You know, when we see things happen that you don't think physically physically you could do, then all of a sudden we say, well, that's supernatural. Well, all that is, it's just other than natural. It was, it's done by somebody drawing from that power within. And so I've had instances like that. I've told all of you about the gentleman that came to me in Rochester, Minnesota, the first time I went there. And he, he I won't tell the whole story, but he just really comforted me because I was feeling down. I had had a couple of things that happened that was pretty tough. And, but he reminded me that he saw eternal perfection in me. 
I turned around and he was gone. So I know that was a comforter messenger. <clears throat> so everything that I have said so far, I believe with all my individual awareness that every person in the Bible in history that was referred to as an angel is a person that Father God has sent to comfort somebody, to give instruction to people and to help them. The word angel again means messenger or messengers of God. So wings again always symbolize voices. When you see something in the Bible that talks about wings, it always represents voices. The wings of the cherubim, cherubim represent people. It said they could be heard all the way out in the outer court. So it's very easy to understand they, they represent voices. So there are people who speak as the voice of Father. And that's what I, I converse over all you that follow me and follow, I'm sure, follow Kay and people that teach the truth is that you begin to speak of the voice of Father because that's the only thing that's going to help people that you're around. Their message is meant to project into our awareness or into our consciousness of the spiritual idea or this formation that directly comes from the fountainhead. And who's the fountainhead? It's Father. Father is the source. So it would be a word of truth in which is centered in the power of Father and it overcomes all limited beliefs and all limited conditions. When you study religiosity, religiosity, I mean, uh, there's limitation to that. We're, we're just sinners saved by grace. We're not sons of God. As I pointed out a uh, week before last, they teach you that you're just adopted. And so you feel like you can't do anything. But the Bible says that we can do all things through contact with Father. That strengthens us. I know it says Christ, but I believe it means contact. But if I stay in contact with Father, there's nothing I can't do. If I live totally unaware of my contact with Father, then I have this false limitation in my life. <clears throat> so the messenger of Jehovah is that quickening thought of Father, if you would. Uh, it, it's appearing often like a form of light. It, it's, it's divine intelligence, and it brings intuition to us. It brings understanding to us, and that's why we need messengers. We need to be very sensitive when a messenger comes around us and listen because it's going to bring a lot of understanding and knowledge to us. And in the scripture, it talked about angels ascending and descending. And I believe messengers ascending and descending are the imaging power of the brain to receive divine information. And then it's released into our consciousness. Messengers, are, again, are to guard, to guide, to protect. And hence, Jesus said, I give my comforter messengers charge over you. You know, a lot of people think that their winged angels are give charge over us and when there's a car wreck, they protect us or whatever. But a messenger gives you knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom will protect you. If you have wisdom when you're driving, it will protect you. If you have wisdom when you're making decisions and this world tries to offer them as your source, then messengers give you divine wisdom and that will protect you. And this messenger, these messengers are always one who shines light on Father who made you perfect in every way and sees you that way. What does light mean? It's light and, and uh, light on understanding. In the in the uh, days of uh, the children of Israel, when they had the tabernacle, they had these priests, and they had a, a, a breastplate with Urim and Thummim. And actually, what that means, Urim is uh, light, and Thummim is perfection or understanding. So they were pictures of a priesthood that could shine light on your perfection and show you how you were made perfect. So I believe. All 74 references in the Bible to the angel of the Lord, they were people, either male or female, who appeared on the scene to bring help, to give direction and understanding and wisdom and much more. And we need to know that. Because if you don't believe that, then you're never going to receive one. You're never going to, you're going to be one that entertains messengers unaware. I, I've said this to Donna many times in conferences. I've, there have been messengers that could have helped the people but they entertained them unaware. They had no clue that they could bring a word that would bring real understanding, and they were not allowed to get up and teach. And that's part of entertaining messengers unaware. I also believe the Bible is about our Father, not about messengers. We have sadly worshipped the messengers, if you would. We have sought the messengers in a way like we think that they're Father, and they're not. They're messengers of Father. Even Jesus told John the Apostle in the book of Revelation, verse, uh, chapter 22, 9, he, uh, there was a place there where he, he uh, had a messenger talk to him, and he bowed down, and the messenger said, Do not bow to me. Don't do that. 
worship the Father. That was Jesus. I know that with all my heart. I believe that. And he was with him to explain to him what he sought to teach all the disciples. And John fell down at his feet, it said that, when he heard Jesus talk. And so, so he said, see that you don't do that, for I am your fellow servant. And he said, I are of your brethren. And a lot of people think he's talking about all the prophets of the Old Testament, but I believe he's talking about this scenes. I'm of your brethren, the mystic, the seekers of spiritual truth, because they are who taught Jesus also. They were the third part of the Jewish sect. You had the Sadducees, Pharisees, and the Essenes. The Essenes left the city, got away from the religious part of it, and they went out and they sought the, the old writings for spiritual understanding. And those many of them uh, master becoming uh, comforter messengers. So that's what I believe in Revelation 22.9. It was Jesus giving John the message. So some might then say, well, what about Romans 14.11, where Paul quotes Isaiah saying, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow for me, before me, and every tongue shall confess God. In other words, they think we're supposed to bow before Jesus. They think we're supposed to bow down before Father. Well, the, they translated it wrong. The translation is the seer, Isaiah, because Isaiah was a seer. Isaiah, Isaiah could see and hear and could understand what Father said. It says, the seer Isaiah wrote as the voice of our father, for to live is to live as holy breath, seeing every person will fully agree that we are all one holy breath. That's what father wants. Father doesn't want us to bow down to him. Jesus didn't want anybody to bow down to him. He wanted them to agree with what he was teaching. Father wants us to agree. The Bible says without faith and father's faith, it's impossible to agree with father. So if you don't put your faith in Father's faith, then you're not going to agree that you're righteous and you're holy. Therefore, you're going to enter into a sin consciousness. And we don't want that. So let me tell you what I believe about Jesus' birth into this world. Matthew says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah. And there were wise men who came from the east of Jerusalem to see Jesus. Scripture states that there was a star in outer space that led them to Jesus. So I believe these wise men bringing gifts of gold, silver, frankincense, and myrrh symbolizes the qualities of the mind given by divine wisdom and understanding. Wise men bring into our consciousness that which Father planned for mankind. Could you see that? If you're wise and you have understanding, then you can bring into people's consciousness and awareness Father's eternal plan. So gold represents the most precious thing we possess, which is our divine mind. Gold represents the divine nature. These wise thoughts from divine wisdom tell us that we have all riches, that God, that the God mind in us has given us all possessions that pertain to spiritual life and physical life. We quote that too quite often. We have all things that pertain to spiritual life and, and uh, physical life. So this gold represents that. And these wise men, again, were Essenes, and maybe they did bring real gold or not. It not matters not. But more importantly, they brought divine understanding to Jesus. They taught him and they, they helped him as his mother taught him when he was a little child. So our divine gold, if you are mine, which rep is represented by God, a gold, is the con a concentration of a spiritual essence, if you would. Our divine mind grows from the invisible and it has to, it, it has to have its source in Father. And that's where the source is. So the gold that the wise men brought to the child, Jesus, was a consciousness of omnipresent richness and infinite substance. So to follow Jesus in his ways, <clears throat> let me see something here real quick. To follow Jesus in his ways, we must charge our thoughts with wise and rich ideas from our divine mind. It's important for us, and Kay says this all the time, it's important for us to meditate on the living word day and night. And I always add, the rest of the time, do what you want. But that's how we charge ourselves. You know, I have sometimes a battery go out. My battery went out not too long ago because I accidentally left the key on all night. And what did I have to do to bring it back to life? It was still there. It, was, it, it wasn't dead. It had the ability to hold a charge, but I had to charge it. So I plugged it into a source called electricity that went through a charger that turned it to 12 volt. And it, it took time. It took all night long but then it charged back up. Well, to me, that's a wonderful picture how we need to charge our thoughts because sometimes 
when we only hear a sermon once a week or we only think about Father once a week or only think about Father when we need something, there's no, there's no charging taking place. But when you meditate, you be quiet, you be calm, you sit in the presence of Father and you listen, I should say sit at the presence of Father, then you're fully charged in your thoughts. And that brings these wise and these rich ideas of our divine mind into us. I was thinking about that this morning. Proverbs 11 states, he that rescues souls is wise. So how do you rescue souls? The wise people teach them the truthful living word. So if you're wise, you're teaching the truth. If you're wise, you're listening to other messenger, comforter, teachers that can help you. Uh, I've had many times where I've been asked to sit down with a preacher and share what I know and teach to him. And I know one gentleman I sat for about two hours. I gave him all my books about a month and a half ago. And I said, do you really, really want to hear? And he said, yes, I do, I do. And so I, he would sit there and shake his head and shake his head. But I just felt like he really wasn't listening. And you have to listen. You have to pay attention. The word uh, in, the, in the beginning where it says obey, it actually means to listen with intelligence. And I'm not saying you have to have a master's degree to be intelligent. It just means intelligently listen and pay attention and try to allow what's been said to you to penetrate your soul. So another of the presents brought to the wise, by the wise men was frankincense. I looked up frankincense yesterday and studied it in some of my older books. Frankincense is one of the richest of all perfumes. And we're told that the sense of smell is very much aligned to spiritual things. You, your, your smell can sense spiritual things. Have you ever wore, experienced that, Donna, before? Where you just, you, it's just, it smells good. It, you walk into a place where people are, are singing and people are all together in one. There's this smell and it's a spiritual smell that comes across to people. So we are told that this sense of smell is aligned to that. So frankincense, frankincense represents a man that's transmutation of material things to spiritual essence. We, we leave our desire for physical and we're hungry more for spiritual essence. So that comes from being in contact with a divine mind. And when that happens, energy begins to flow and then it begins to work in our body and through our entire being. So wise men, what do wise men do? Well, we, we carefully select the food that we eat. And when I'm talking about food, I'm talking about manna. I'm talking about the spiritual word, but also it can be physical food too. But we carefully select what we're feeding on. We don't want to feed on that which is a carnal, that which brings no life whatsoever. And then when we do that, we also, uh, we do that so we can eat spiritual things. We also are careful about the air that we breathe. And what I'm talking about, sometimes there's just kind of an air around certain people that you just, you don't want to be in there. You don't want to be part of that. Uh, the air also can be understanding or whatever. We want to be careful about what we, what we breathe, what we bring into ourselves, and watch for that atmosphere which we can come into contact. In the world today, there's all kinds of really bad atmospheres that we really don't want to be involved in, which is full of fear. And so the reason we do that is because we know we want our, our entire body, every cell in our body to be raised to a higher spiritual consciousness. So we don't allow anything to come to us that will hinder that. And yes, Karen, negative people. So myrrh represents the power of love, the power of love. That was another gift that they brought. Father told Moses to take myrrh and a certain oil and to anoint all the instruments used by the worship in the tabernacle. That's to me awesome. Every instrument they had was anointed with love, if you would. Uh, if I have a minister that's going to minister to me, an associate pastors and, and a choir and a staff, I want them to love me, don't you? Because if they minister out of love, then their ministry is going to be pure. If they minister just to get something or to control, that's no good. So the tabernacle then represents the body. And through the wisdom of the divine mind, we must anoint or consecrate every part of our being with myrrh. In other words, with love, the love of Father. You know, I've had people ask me, why do you love everybody all the time? Well, I don't know. I guess because I'm love and I enjoy loving people. Uh, not too long ago, I put a post out there that I love everybody and I do love everybody. But I wrote on there, if people can hate without knowing you, why can't I love you without knowing you? So I've had many people that asked to be Facebook connections with me. And after a conversation uh, in Messenger or whatever, and we're getting ready to close out, I'll say, I love you. 
and they say, I love you back. And they don't know me and I don't know them. I'm on a uh, Facebook group page for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, my heart problem. And many of those people, I say, I love you. And they say, thank you, because people need love. And so we anoint everything we do with love. Daily, we must give, give presence to love ourselves, our presence of love ourselves. And what's a present of love? You can just, you can affirm what Father says about you, that you're altogether lovely. That thank you, Father, that I am perfect. And thank you that I'm whole. I thank you, Father, that I am the very image of you. Hug yourself. I used to teach people all the time, you can wrap your arm around yourself and hug yourself and comfort yourself. And that's giving yourself presence of love. And what does that do? It raises the, the energy, if you would, in your body. And so we live upon love. And without love, we're nothing, right? What did Paul write about love? He said, uh, if we have not love for one another, I'm nothing more than sounding brass and a clink, clinking cymbal, and it means nothing. Kay said, meditation is taking no thought, but contemplation is thinking on various verses of Scripture. That's true. Amen. So Jesus, who represents the growth and full expression of a son or daughter or father, that's what I believe Jesus did. I believe he was here to show us the way. He said, I'm the, I'm the way the truth, and the life. And he wasn't saying you have to come to me to get that. He said, I'm showing you the way, the way to live. I'm showing you how to live out of the truth. I'm here to teach you the truth. And I'm, I'm revealing to you the life that you were, you were created to live out of. But he emphasizes the fulfillment of the law of love. He laid that down, love for father and love for your neighbor. Jesus taught that. Because without love, we're nothing. So the star, what about the star? Well, that star that guided the wise men of Jesus, uh, to Jesus symbolizes our inner conviction of our divine sonship. A star represents a truth to be revealed. If you remember, I wrote a book that I enjoy teaching out of. Uh, it's called uh, about Esther and I, I titled How Esther Became a Star. And she caused people to look up and see the truth of what was going on in her day. And that's what stars do. They cause you to see the truth. So these wise men, as I said a minute ago, I believe they were Essenes. They were being led to see Jesus, who was going to be a star to the people and bring truth to them. So their inner conviction, their faith, their confidence is in uh, an ability to accomplish whatever, whatever needs to take place in our life because we know who we are. We... Uh, these star people, if you would, they're accumulated. They have accumulation of wisdom and they rejoice when faith and one's destiny and will become, rises up within inside of them and they know who they are. Most of my earlier life, I didn't know what I was called to be. I didn't know who I was. Even when the father spoke to me and said he was going to make me a messenger and give me a word to speak. But soon after that, I began to realize this is my mandate. This is my mission. And this is my ministry. And it really brought great riches into my life. And a lot of wisdom came to me. And that's what gold, frankincense, and myrrh represent. They're bestowed on us to grow us. Right? That doesn't sound better than just Jesus getting rich with money. You know, people talk about there was so much money given to him that he had enough money to support his ministry and all that. But I believe he was given wisdom and knowledge and understanding to sustain him through his ministry. And of course, he stayed in contact with Father and so he was in contact with the source and he had great understanding already, but they just built on that. So these three wise men were Essenes and they were spiritual mystics and they instructed Jesus. And firstly, the wise men never visited Jesus in a manger. Does that surprise you? Most people think the wise men, Donna has a manger scene, everybody has a manger scene and they show the wise men there, but they did not. Luke records the birth of Jesus and the visit of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. But the wise men did not come when Jesus was born until Matthew 2.11. And it says they found him in a house in Bethlehem. You remember reading that? They found him there. And so Matthew wrote that when the wise men came into the house, they saw the young child. He did not say a baby in a manger. They saw the young child. And the phrase young child comes from the Greek word pedion, which means a child or a half-grown boy or girl. And you've heard that before, haven't you? So there's no proof really how old Jesus was when the wise men came, but I believe what is more important is that Jesus' intelligence far exceeded those who did not live in constant contact with Father. 
and he lived with a mother who kept him away from religiousity. Think about this. How many videos have you seen of a three-year-old playing a piano like a master? Or a three-year-old playing a violin, right? Or all kinds of other things. A three-year-old that can remember every date there was. They can tell you what day uh, July 2nd, 1985 was. Oh, that was a Tuesday. They can, there's all kinds of stuff. So I can very easily believe at three years old or five years old that Jesus was super intelligent and he received this instruction and he remembered it. How else could he quote the Old Testament backwards and forwards by 12 years old? There had to be some teachers come to him and, and help him along with him being in touch with his divine mind. So he was able to comprehend what he was taught and he was able to come forth and explain things and answer things. And like I said, at 12 years old, it was time to present himself to the Jews and he asked them intelligent questions that confounded them. And then he also gave them answers that confounded them. So I believe these wise men taught him much and therefore as he grew, he was empowered and he was filled with much wisdom as he learned from the wise men and the holy breath of father that flowed through him. That's my translation, Luke 2.40. Uh, now, the King James says he waxed strong in spirit, but why would he need to wax strong in spirit? We have all the spirit there is of Father. We were born with holy breath, so he did not have to wax strong in spirit, but he actually grew in wisdom and understanding, and he was empowered. And so the wise men of the East are likened to our spiritual resources, if you would, within us that will rise to awareness when the depths are stirred up by some kind of great spiritual awakening. Everything that I know, everything that I believe, everything that I taught was in me already. I had the divine mind when I was born. The Bible says that we have contact with the Holy One and we know all things. But something happened in my life that began to spiritually stir me and begin to wake me up. I believe it started when I asked the Father back in... I don't know how long it was, but I was with Melvin Judkins and we were going hunting and Melvin was preaching to me and quoting scripture. And I prayed and I said, Father, I need you to help me. I want to be able to understand scripture and explain scripture and talk about scripture. And it wasn't too many, probably not even a year later, when Melvin and Sandy ended up leaving the church and I took over as the adult Sunday school teacher. And things began to change, didn't it, Donna? A stirring took place, My, and Father began to draw me up higher and higher and higher. And I believe this has taken place in many people all over the planet. All you need is a stirring because it's inside of you. You don't need anything added, but you need things explained to you and this stirring to take place. And so I believe Jesus was the main comforter messenger that was sent to John to explain what he sought to teach the disciples. And the other messengers listed in Revelation was more than likely they were the scenes. I believe that with all my heart. I put my entire faith and I put my confidence in that fact and in this fact. Father is our breath of life. I believe that. We have no other source but Father. Without Father, we are nothing. Without Father, there is no life. When you, you were born with a breath of life and you will always have the breath of life and you cannot lose the breath of life. I noticed some of you are just now coming on and I encourage you to go back uh, later today or when you can and watch the introduction to this. But I believe Father is our source. I believe Father is our life force. I believe Father is our inner essence. I believe Father was Moses' fire by night. It wasn't Jesus as that song, uh, He Is. It wasn't Jesus, it was, it was Father. I believe Father was Moses' fire by night. I believe Father is our eternal redeemer from the foundation of the world. He redeemed us by giving us everything that we would ever need so he could never lose us. I believe Father is our morning song. I believe Father is our wisdom. Father is our knowledge. I believe Father provided us from the foundation and he provided us with eternal peace and eternal perfection. I believe Father is forever faithful. Father can never turn his back on you. Father can never leave you. No matter where you go, what you do, Father's always in you and always one with you. I believe Father is one power, one mind and one body in us. I believe Father is our strength and our shield. I believe Father is our righteousness. There's no way I can earn righteousness. It's nothing but a dead work. I was born righteous. I think as Ecclesiastes said, we were born upright and we're still upright. Father is our holy breath. Father is our true shepherd. 
Father leads us to living waters. And yes, sometimes he uses messengers to do that. Father is our health. Father is our true supply in all things. Father speaks to our thoughts. Father speaks in our dreams. And Father is always guiding us higher and higher and higher. I believe with all my heart that there is only one power, and that's Father. There is only one mind, and that's the divine mind of Father that we have. And there is only one body. We are all one. We are not separate. I don't, it doesn't matter whether you're black or white or a million shades of brown or whatever. We're one. You're my brother. You're my sister. I'm your brother. I'm your sister. That's what's going to save this world. That's going to rescue what's going to rescue this world. And even the world knows that without love, we're nothing. You, uh, who was it? The Beatles that sang that song. All we need is love. But the love that we need is not Eros love. It's not phileo love. It's agape love. It's love without a cause. I love you because that's who you are. Father can never, ever leave me and I can never, ever leave you. So I believe that. I put no faith in what religiosity taught me about a planet called heaven. I put no faith in what they taught me about a place called hell or any perceived enmity called demon, devil, or Satan. I believe all people are holy, but all, not all people aware of that. Why? Because they've been taught that they're not. They've been taught that they're sinners, sinners saved by grace. They've been taught that they'll sin all their lives and they constantly have to ask Father to forgive them. And that's absolutely not true. Even Jesus said when it's translated properly, Jesus said, all are holy, but few choose to live as holy. And again, that's because they were taught to lie. I believe all people are with Father. I believe all people are the presence of Father right now. You can never be apart from Father. The Bible said, neither, de neither death, nor life, nor power, nor principality, nothing can separate you from Father. And it said the love of Father, but that's Father. Father is love. And there are so many people that believe in hell. It just breaks my heart. I've shared with some friends lately that, that, about it, and they've been so indoctrinated, they just, it's almost like it's, it's the gospel. There has to be a hell, and there is no hell, I promise you. In, in the New Testament, it was, and we, you look it up, it says Valley of Gehenna. It's, it's a place where they uh, burn uh, the garbage. It's a place where they had that god Moloch, that false god that they offered their babies. And Jesus said, you have descended to this. You have descended to this state. And in the Old Testament, it's Sheol. It means the place of departed souls. That's when man left the heavenly realm, the cool of the day, and they lowered themselves down into the dust realm. If you want to believe in a hell, the hell is what people are going through today. When you're living separate from Father, you, you're not experienced the, the, the love of Father and the peace of Father, and that's hell. You lose a child, that's hell. You lose a husband or a wife or whatever goes on, to me, that's hell. And you know something? If you had to get saved to know God, because they, we always heard there's only one way to Father, and that's through Jesus, right? We used to sing a song like that. Then how in the world did David know Father? The law didn't do it, did it? The Mosaic law? Him obeying the law or whatever, that didn't do it. David, of all people of old, knew Father perfectly, had a relationship with Father. He knew more about Father than most ministers in this world knows. And David was not saved by the Mosaic law. David not, did not pray a sinner's prayer. Yet Father knew him well and Father talked to him. He didn't even need an intercessor between him and Father. He was one with Father. And I love what David wrote, and I'm going to close this. But in Psalms 139, he said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought far, afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from my spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I, if I ascend up into the sky, thou art there. If I make my bed in the realm of the carnal, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Even if I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from me, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. 
I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of my mother. Thine eyes did see my substance, and thy book all my members were, were written, which is in countenance or fashion, and when, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, whenever I wasn't even coming into visibility yet, you knew me. O oh God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I'm still with thee. You know what? I'd rather have David as I'm pa my pastor than many ministers today that don't know Father. David knew Father perfectly. I believe what Father believes of all people. We are right-wise with him. We are holy. We're altogether lovely. No matter what we do or don't do, nothing can separate us from Father and that eternal love for us. And yes, people do some really bad things, but that's not who they are, that's what they do. And yes, it causes hurt, it causes pain, but we've got to get like Jesus did when he looked, he saw through them. He wasn't there to judge people bad. He wasn't there to condemn them. He was there to love them. So yes, there's consequences in life. If we're not living out of who we are, we, things happen, but nevertheless, we are eternally sons and daughters of Father, just like Jesus was a son of Father. He was not the only son, as we were taught. He was a son with a special mandate, a special ministry, and a special mission, and he fulfilled it, and we must fulfill ours. So I hope this helps you. I, I, I will. didn't know if people would think that was kind of odd or not. Most of you that follow me know what I believe, but I just wanted to put it in print. And I want it on a video where to be out there because I believe, I believe we've been lied to greatly. And I believe truth is coming so fast today. And it's important for us to listen and follow what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. So I love every one of you. I bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, if you would, uh, make a comment on there so I can know that you're with us. You can just say I'm here or whatever. And then if you like this and you're comfortable putting it on your post, I would love for you to share it with your Facebook. God bless you. You have a great day and enjoy the Christmas holidays.